Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. When you were younger, did you ever see the uh, the cartoon Thundercats? I don't think I did. Oh my God. Well, I'm ending this interview now so that you can go and watch <laughs> <No>. an episode. <laughs> no longer qualified. <laughs> Whenever I think about uh, president assembling their cabinet, I like imagine the main Thundercat from the show yelling, Thunder! 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 Thundercats, ho! Which is what they do, like when they uh, assemble their superhero team. But I guess in this case, it's like a bunch of politicians assembling political superheroes. You know? Yeah, Thunder Cabinet. Thunder Cabinet. Yeah, let's go with that. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch, and today, Megan Casella on who might get a spot in Joe Biden's Thunder 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 Cabinet. The president-elect has chosen the first top member of his new administration. That's his longtime advisor, Ron Klain. He will become White House chief of staff. So the first personnel announcement we saw was Wednesday evening. The Biden team kind of quietly rolled out uh, his chief of staff is Ron Klain. Klain was the former vice president's number one aide at the start of the Obama administration. Klain has worked with Mr. Biden over the past few decades, and the familiarity could be invaluable. as The, the New York Biden Times broke the news first, but pretty quickly after that, the campaign rolled it out. And it wasn't too much of a surprise. He's a longtime Biden aide. He worked with him in the 1980s. And it shows, for one, that Biden's going to lean on his close coterie of advisors that he always has um, by his side. You know, I think the cabinet itself will be more diverse. But as far as close White House aides go, this is about as close to Biden as you could get. He has experience in economic recovery and epidemic and pandemic response as well. So he really fits the bill here. So after the chief of staff, Biden has a ton of cabinet positions to fill. And there's no way that we can get to talk about all of them here today. So um, we're just going to look at four. The Treasury defense, state, and health. Um, Let's start with health, because we are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, What does the health secretary do? And who is Biden considering for the position? The health secretary is going to have a huge role in this administration, given that COVID will define the early part of Biden's term, if not the entire thing. Our work begins with getting COVID under control. We cannot repair the economy, restore our vitality until we get it under control. And so they're going to be coordinating that response for the administration. One of the names we hear the most here is Michelle Lujan Grisham. Good evening, America. I'm Michelle Lujan Grisham, governor of the great state of Nuevo Mexico. She's the Latina governor of New Mexico. She spent time in Congress and she ran New Mexico's health agency. I'm proud of my home state every single day, especially how we have punched above our weight in our successful response to COVID-19. She's been co-chairing the Biden transition, so she's really close with them and she's considered a favorite for the position. Would bring a Latina into the cabinet as well, which Biden has said he wants to do. Good afternoon. I'm Mandy Cohen. I'm the secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services for North Carolina. Mandy Cohen is North Carolina's health secretary. The incredible work of all of our partners has allowed North Carolina to avoid the first and second waves that devastated so many other states. 
To protect our communities, we must continue to work together in this fight against COVID-19. She's on the list here. And uh, Vivek Murthy, as well, was Surgeon General under Obama. He's a name some folks know, but he's also sometimes mentioned for a White House slot focused on health as well. So that could be a new position, sort of a coronavirus czar, if you will. Um, So we might see him end up there. All right, next up is the Treasury. Why is Treasury an important cabinet position, and who are we looking at as candidates? Treasury is big for a couple reasons. Of course, it's going to play a huge role in further stimulus negotiations and economic recovery. The fight over a bill to help struggling Americans remains stuck in partisan divisions on Capitol Hill. But a lot of folks are also looking at the secretary choice as an indication of where Biden wants to go. Is he going to be more moderate? Is he going to be more progressive? It could offer some indications there. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you very much to Louise for the kind introduction, uh, for getting me through graduate school. Lael Brainerd is an early favorite here. She's a Federal Reserve governor who is more centrist than leftist. I can't think of a better place really to be talking about monetary policy uh, and its relationship to fiscal policy than Brookings. But progressives don't seem to mind her too much. So she's sort of risen to the top of the pile. We're going to turn now to another important conversation uh, with the head of one of the 12 banks that make up the Federal Reserve System. That's Raphael Bostic. He joins us from Atlanta this morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, Margaret. Raphael Bostic is a president and CEO of the Fed in Atlanta. We've heard that Senator Sherrod Brown really likes him. What the virus has done, it has put a wedge in our economy. And for all those who have been in more precarious situations, it's made them even more precarious. Both of those would make history because we've never had a woman or a person of color lead the Treasury. And Biden seems like he wants to do that. All right. um, Number three, defense. What do we need to know about what the Secretary of Defense does and who could be the next Secretary of Defense? This is another area where Biden looks likely to make history. In recent years, the world has seen an increasingly complex and daunting set of major challenges, not least of which are the ongoing conflicts and crises throughout the Middle East. We've never had a female defense secretary, and Michelle Flournoy is the runaway favorite here. The organization that I co-founded and lead, the Center for a New American Security, has always been based on the principle that to address the most pressing security challenges, we need to have the best people working to come up with the best ideas, regardless of political party or ideology. The choice will be leading the defense response, obviously, of the U.S., leading the military agencies. Um, and Michelle's a, a former undersecretary of defense for policy in Obama's first term. She was the faraway favorite to lead the agency under Hillary Clinton, which obviously didn't happen. And now it seems like it's sort of hers to lose uh, this time around as well. Other names on that list include Tammy Duckworth. Frankly, you know, our military is one of the last institutions that truly has respected the American people. Military leaders need to stand up to this president. She's an Illinois senator and an Iraq war veteran who was shortlisted for VP. So we could see her pop up there as well. All right. uh, Last but not least, certainly, is the secretary of state. I guess it's pretty obvious for a lot of people, but I'll ask it anyways. What does the secretary of state do and who do you think could be Biden's secretary of state? 
The Secretary of State leads foreign policy for the country. And of course, it's an agency also that's been sort of decimated under the Trump administration. For weeks, we've heard reports of the State Department essentially being sidelined by the Trump White House. High-level officials who were once integral in making key foreign policy decisions now say they've practically got nothing to do. Morale is really low, and Biden's also going to be looking to reassert the U.S.'s role in the world as well. Susan Rice is a leading candidate here. People may not fully appreciate just how much we have lost in terms of our national security and our standing in the world over the last four years. She was Obama's U.N. ambassador and then national security advisor. The president praises Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un and thinks Xi Jinping, the leader of China, is you know the great leader to be emulated. It's just nuts. Everything is upside down. She's highly experienced and a top contender, but there is some concern she could have trouble winning confirmation. Tony Blinken is another big name that pops up here. He also has State Department experience and has been working as a foreign policy advisor for Biden. But similar to Murthy, who I mentioned before, he could emerge in a White House role as well, which uh, which could clear the path for Susan Rice or someone like Senator Chris Coons, who's on this list, too. Hearing you talk about all of these possible cabinet members, I mean, one, it sounds very different from what we're seeing under the Trump administration. And two, it sounds like a lot of history is being made. If you had to, like, boil down what this possible incoming cabinet could mean for the future of American politics and changes from what we've seen over the past four years— How would you describe that? I think it's going to be an early way that a President Biden will really want to set himself apart from President Trump and send a message, too. He's talked about wanting to have the most diverse cabinet ever. It's not clear yet whether he'll meet all of the standards that he's laid out or all of the goals, really. But I think he wants to make sure that everyone can see a piece of themselves reflected in this cabinet, if he can. Right now, the fate of the Senate and which party controls it is still up in the air. President Trump is refusing to accept the election results, and several Republicans are falling in line. Some former national security officials are now warning of the risk of of a possible delayed transition to a Biden administration. I mean, could any of this have a significant impact both on Biden's cabinet choices and the process of getting them confirmed? So far, they can mostly keep doing what they were planning to do, which is vet the candidates, figure out who they want, and make some announcements. There are some delays. They can't work, for example, with the Office of Government Ethics until the GSA makes its call to affirm Biden's victory. But that's sort of a secondary step. And so unless we're in late December and still dealing with this, it's probably not going to affect them. As far as the Senate, though, and who controls the Senate, that can play a big role. The fact that we're not going to know whether Democrats or Republicans are in control until early January means that Biden has to take that into consideration when he's weighing whether to take someone like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders into his cabinet. They likely would not be able to make it through a Republican-controlled Senate. And then he also may not want to lose their seats. They're both from states where Republican governors are in charge and would get to appoint a replacement, at least on a temporary basis, unless the rules are changed. And so that could complicate things, too. He doesn't want to jeopardize any one of the Democrat Senate seats, given that they'll have 50 at the most if uh, all goes well in Georgia in January. Megan Casella, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. And obviously, there are way more cabinet positions that we didn't cover here today. So if you want to check out Politico's full coverage of the top contenders for all of the big jobs in a Biden administration, check this episode's show notes. 
Also today, U.S. health officials say they've reached a deal with pharmacies across the country to distribute free COVID vaccines once they're approved and available. In an announcement on Thursday, Health Secretary Alex Azar called the agreement, quote, a critical step toward making sure all Americans have access to safe and effective COVID-19 vaccines when they're available. The deal covers more than half the pharmacies in all 50 states and U.S. territories. It comes just days after the drug maker Pfizer announced that preliminary data on its coronavirus vaccine shows 90 percent effectiveness. And the Trump administration is barring Americans from investing in dozens of Chinese companies that the White House says support the country's military. On Thursday, President Trump signed an executive order prohibiting investments in a list of 31 firms the Defense Department believes are tied to the Chinese military, including telecom giants Huawei and China Telecom. It's unclear how President-elect Biden will deal with this and other last-minute moves Trump plans to make in the remaining months of his presidency. Biden's transition team declined to comment on the order. The Politico Dispatch production team includes Jenny Ament and Sadeep Reddy. Our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.